It's not the Zaid. It's not the story. It's the Zaid story. Take take two, take three, take, take three, <laughs> take as many as you'd like. I'm oh. I'm having fun. <laughs> Welcome back to the Zade story. <laughs> my name is Kevin Zade, and my name is Jacob Davis. And tonight, welcome first. The listeners love it when you're on. Welcome in, bienvenue. Welcome. They do. Uh, especially our director one. Uh, we got some emails, lots of verbal comments. So they were a big fan of our last Paul Thomas Anderson. Excellent. Some of the comments were, you should have broken this into two episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's an editing thing. We'll work on that. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a, uh, I don't take that as a reflection of our, of our discussion as much no. as we just could have broken it up. Yeah. Or pl- just plus people's. Because we got some good feedback, too. Like, yeah. we got some, uh, I could have listened for another hour. You know, like, the, yeah. we got some people saying we rushed some film, uh, films that we talked about. We kind of brushed them off. That's, that's difficult. It yeah. is difficult, especially since when we're talking about a director's entire, you know, um, list of films, there's, and and we're picking favorites essentially right. we're ranking them of course the ones that are low on the list we're kind of like whatever Skip it. <laughs> scooch scooch uh even when they're all great it's right. just inevitable yeah so but that is that is fair uh so this week after we reviewed baby driver last week mm-hmm. with Josh and Tim um i thought what a great idea because you and I have watched several Edgar Wright movies together for, yeah. for my first time. I believe we watched both Hot Fuzz. I don't know about Shaun of the Dead. I don't remember. Probably, because if you watch, if the order you watch them in is as we discussed earlier, it wouldn't make sense to me that you wouldn't have watched Shaun of the, Jet, Shaun of the Dead without me since yeah. I owned all of them at the I time. I think you're exactly right. And then we just watched Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And Baby Driver last week yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So the only movie I haven't seen with you is At World. Or, dang it! I knew I was going to. I was uh, so confident. The World's End. The World's End. <laughs> uh, just for clarification, The World's End is the third film in Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, which we will discuss. At World's End is the name of the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Uh, and there's a pretty disparate uh, amount in their percentages on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yeah. Yeah. Is it the, the fourth one you said? The oh, fourth it might Pirates? be the third. It might be the third. I'm sorry. Uh, if it's the fourth one, I definitely haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I can't even remember. Although I did kind... I was so close to being moderately interested in the pirates movie solely the new the new one because of javier bardem right just but i just i just want him to be the guy from no country for old men in every movie yeah i was i he was fun in skyfall 
But oh yeah, I didn't love that performance. I didn't love that movie either. I, and I know you and I disagreed on that. You loved it, right? Yeah, it's my favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie. Yeah, um, it's my least favorite actually. I liked even. I haven't seen the new one. Okay, or Quant. Quantum of Solace. I like Quantum of Solace Let's better build than a Hotel of Hydrogen. Oh, that probably won't explode by the end of this film. He didn't know about the blimp. What scientist doesn't know about hydrogen being flammable in 2000 whatever it was? He didn't know. He oh, okay. he missed that class. We're not going to get into this. I <laughs> Kevin and I have a few uh sore subject movies. <laughs> One of them being Ang Lee's The Hulk. <laughs> Yes. Or is it just Hulk? It's just Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one being apparently Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I didn't realize that was so contentious. Uh, what's another one? There are a lot there's you a, probably just aren't aware because I'm just, <laughs> yeah. you know, building it up inside and letting it fester and become an ulcer. That would be a fun... That would be a fun six-pack to have you on and in uh, in one of these upcoming episodes to do the top six movies we disagree on. That, I think, would be a it'd, great... It'd be like, three of them would be movies you love and I hate, and three of them would be movies that I love that you hate. Oh. That, That'd be that, kind of fun. It would be fun. Or let's, we let's could even do, like, books. we could do a ten-minute segment that we expand over the cross of, like, six oh, episodes yeah. where you and I just yell at each other for <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> it's... Simple, Jacob. Hulk smash. <laughs> yeah, it would be simple, but Hulk has never been able to fly. <laughs> uh, it's, the, I believe, it's the third one, the third Pirates. Okay, by the way, so at that's World's the last End. one I saw. Yeah, this is the one where they flip the ship upside down. Uh, they do a lot of things. Uh, it's garbage. It, it is garbage. You are you are not wrong. <laughs> the ocean turns into like a black hole. It's 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 weird. Oh, it's garbage. It's weird. I didn't like the second one. The second one had more plot lines than characters. It was, it was <laughs> yeah. so bad. But what's so there funny? There wasn't even a dead I... man in the chest. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked that's, the that's first a joke one from an old video online. Okay, <laughs> I just didn't want to take credit for that. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I loved one. the first one. Yeah, actually. it was great. It was a swashbuckle. Yeah, movie. It was fun pirate movie. Like you, like it was like the new Errol Flynn pirate movie mm. it was so good mm. good guys bad guys like right the lines were clear yeah <laughs> the princess man princess <laughs> right like where they were obviously trying to pretend to be <laughs> rock stars mm-hmm. yeah that's so good yeah but we're here to talk about Edgar <laughs> something <Wright>. completely different <laughs> On another time. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, this is The Growler. This is, So, it'd be like, welcome to The Growler. Uh, <laughs> Edgar Wright edition. Because yeah. the first one we did was The Growler. Paul, Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Anderson. So. Yeah. so, yeah. So, I thought it was some poorly executed pun on the master. So, uh, I'm really glad to know that that's the name of... This type of segment. So, yeah, I figured, you know, because we've got just our regular episodes. Yeah. And then we've got six-pack episodes where we do our top six something. Yeah. We've got 
kegerators, which we've only ever done one, and it was because I was too busy to have a new episode, so I re-released an old episode. That's right. And then um, microbrew yeah. is when I just do something small yeah. on my own. And then the growler, it was like 64 ounces of the same beer. Mm. I was like, oh, it's like we did all Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Yeah. That's like one big beer. That's great. So that's yeah, a good, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. I, that was I, kind of my idea. I appreciate that. Th- yeah. Thank you. So Edgar Wright. Yeah. Burst on the scene. With a bunch of music videos. According to IMDb. None of which I have seen, actually. Ah, me neither. I, I knew that, but I've... I... I, I really only wanted to mention it for a f- because of... Uh, because of some of the... Aspects of all of these movies... Oh yeah, um, that makes a lot. I just of... I wanted to mention that he's a big music guy, and yeah. you can tell from all of his movies um, that the music and the beats, like it's all very visual to him. So um, yeah, he's got a ton of music videos, and so I just I did kind of want to mention that because that'll play into kind of my overall feelings of Edgar Wright films. Mm. Um, and it'll explain why one specific movie that should be maybe at the bottom is not at the bottom. We'll talk about Scott Pilgrim. Got it. Got Foreshadow. It. <laughs> uh, but let's let's do it just like we did PTA. Let's do chronological. All right. We're going to cover uh, – this should be a shorter episode because there's only five right, movies. Instead of eight. Yep. Right. Uh, we're not – well, I guess he wasn't even slated to direct it, but I just wanted to clarify. He also helped write part of the script for the Ant-Man movie, okay. but then abandoned it Yes, because he didn't like where it was going. And then I was also told he was part, uh, I found out last week talking with Tim, that he was a big part of On the Block or Block Party or... Oh, uh, um, uh, shoot. What's it called? It's a uh, European alien kids film. Yeah. Um, Attack the Block. Attack the Block with uh, John Boyega from Star oh, Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I can't believe it. But he didn't know. direct it. No. He might have produced it or yeah, yeah. did something. But yeah. So, so we're Edgar not Wright, covering those films. No, we're not. But Edgar Wright is, was a music video director. He also uh, gained a lot of clout in the British comedy scene um, with his show Spaced. Yes. Uh, which used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore. But I don't know. It's it's quirky, and you definitely see a lot of familiar faces if you've seen any of his films, including uh, Nick Frost. Nick Frost and Simon and Pegg. Simon Pegg. Yeah. I wasn't sure about Simon Pegg. Yeah, Simon Pegg's the one of the main characters in it. Um, I mean, they all are, but you just see you see tons of people in Spaced. Simon Pegg, not to promote other podcasts, of course, but. Uh, Simon Pegg is on has an has a great interview with uh, Mark Marin on his podcast. Ah, it's yeah. worth a listen. Cool. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, yeah. Now that we've got that stuff that we're not going to talk about out of the way, let's dive uh, right into the first film he produced or directed, Shaun of the Dead, two thousand four. Very good. 
let's do a small rundown. Cool. Do you ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into... Something in the world. A zombie. Maybe you're not alone. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes. Avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl lizard? Because I love her. All right, okay. Um, so Sean is a uh, middle management uh, lovable loser in a Radio Shack-esque place in yes. uh, Britain. <laughs> and uh, he can't seem to get his life together. Um, everything's the same. Uh, and his horrible best friend, played by Nick Frost, uh, kind of keeps him down. Um, and his girlfriend's sick of it. Uh, suddenly in the midst of this early midlife crisis, Britain is overrun by zombies. Yes. <laughs> and so Sean has to become an adult, uh, gain some clout as it were, and do everything that he can in order to save the ones he loves from the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid rundown. I would say um, the only thing I would really add is this is definitely kind of at heart a bromance mm. story and almost a coming of age tale yeah. a little bit. Not of age, but of maturity kind of levels. Uh, but But yeah, it's a comedy horror movie and... There's quite a bit of gore. Yeah. Um, it is not, it's not like. <laughs> There's still one scene of the movie that I have a hard time watching. I don't want to say it's lighthearted for sure, but I don't want that to give across the message of like, no, this is definitely gory and obscene in spots where, I mean, it's a number one British, number yeah. two zombie film. So right. at its, at its core, I think it's about the two friends yeah, yeah, uh, and um, so Shaun of the Dead is the first in a uh, film trilogy which star in tandem uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, and it's known as the Cornetto Trilogy, which uh, 
for all of you uh, unworldly people out there, uh, <laughs> is basically the British name for um, different varieties of the drumstick-style ice cream, um, which makes an appearance in all three of the films. Uh, and so I would I would say that all three films are actually buddy movies, are plays on the buddy movie. Agreed. Um, which is what makes them so fun to watch with you. Oh, that was so nice. I didn't I didn't see that I might cry a little. That, <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> um so I've been in other places besides Oregon. Mm. And uh, is it a, called a Cornetto? Like, oh, let's go get some Cornettos from the 7-Eleven. Like is it the type is it Kind of like drumstick is the name of it, only there's the fudge-filled one, the right, caramel-filled right. one, but they're all drumsticks. Is that the way it's pronounced? Kind, or? kind of, yeah. So except for except for um, Cornetto is actually the brand name, whereas drumstick would be the, you know, our brand right. name. Got um, but yeah, and I think each movie is like they did a big – they advertised with it when the third movie came out, The World's End. Um yeah. Where each film was actually like Brains. had a certain flavor. So so red for Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, which was like the strawberry. Um, I think Hot Fuzz was, I want to say it was like caramel or something That's like that. That's what I think. Um, and then for uh, World's End, it was it was like mint chocolate chip, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. And so, um, yeah, great marketing ploy. Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't... They're they make an appearance, but they're not like a part of the movie, <laughs> right? Like in one film, it's a rapper, and another film, it's just Nick Frost like licking this thing for a good five minutes while they're having a conversation. <laughs> and I can't even remember where it's at in Shaun of the Dead. I don't either. I'm sure it's there though. Anyway, um, yeah. So let's let's go right into it. Uh what what are your thoughts on Shaun of the Dead? I, I love this movie. The first time I ever watched it was in um, a guy I, I grew... Oh, Zeke Earl. Um, someone I went to school with. He was friends with yes, mutual friends Zeke. of ours. Uh, his family were cheap farmers and they had a barn. And so he always threw these crazy Halloween parties uh, in high school. Crazy meaning like tons of fun. Right. Um, you know, we were all relatively good kids yeah. uh, in that friend group. Um <laughs> But he put up Shaun of the Dead on a on a sheet on a Halloween party, and that was the first time I watched it. Okay, um, fun. And it was technically one of my first horror films. I kind of sheltered myself from those. My parents did as well growing yeah. up, uh, and I love it. I love it because as I've gotten older and watched more zombie films, it's totally an homage, mm -hmm. uh, which is nice because it's not lampooning right zombie films per se. Uh, it's not making light of them. Um, it's just kind of gently poking fun while at the same time, like there are moments of it that are, that are, you know, genuinely, uh, thrilling. Yeah. There's some great action. Yeah. Um, this is, I don't know where this sits, but it has to be relatively one of the first few or first few quote unquote horror films that I've also watched. Cause I like you. I don't really like them even today. Uh, I like good horror films such right. as Get Out. Mm -hmm. I'm finally giving in that it's a horror film. I've heard enough people say that it's a horror film. But uh, 
you know got an idea for our halloween episode Ooh, all right anyway um but yeah so that along with being comedy i have always enjoyed comic horror but i think this might be the one that started it actually yeah um and there are some moments that are actually scary like this isn't something that's just funny um there's some great violence in it. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning, kind of the rundown, but like, this is an emotional movie at points. In being so very funny, yeah. uh, this relationship is in turmoil. This is uh, the the family. There's a great scene <laughs> with the, in a car. I don't want to ruin it, but with a family member. <laughs> Um, and it just, it's, it's just kind of, yeah, it's just really fun. And, but at the, at the core of this one is just a big old heart. And I really love that about Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's nice to see the, the way that, uh, like across the trilogy, there's a certain, um, dynamic that is reversed in the final movie, uh, between the two characters? Yeah, between the two actors. Yes. Like the characters they normally portray. Right. Um, and it's just great to see that. There's usually the dynamic of one friend is a screw-up and the other friend might not be much better, but is at least, you know, trying to improve. He's just... Or maybe it's worse in the opposite. Like, it's just... They're just too different. You've got the one guy who's A, and the other guy's B. Yeah. Not that it's saying either one's terrible, but they're kind of both need work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just very different. And uh, yeah, man, I I love I love Shaun of the Dead. It's gonna be this is gonna be a hard set of films to rank. Yeah. Um, not as much for me. Mm. This one, uh, this one, I don't I. It is the core of this film that that makes it stand out for me um, in this, especially in this trilogy. Uh, that I just really connected with it, and um, when we talk about Hot Fuzz, we'll talk about the humor a little bit. But this one's very funny. It's very smart, and it's kind of debutish. Like obviously, the guy knows how to make movies he's not a rookie when he comes to directing he directed all the stuff we mentioned before but there's something a little bit raw and kind of pure about this film in its direction yeah it's Um, kind of got more of an indie production yeah especially when we compare it to to baby driver oh yeah big time yeah you've got just kind of very believable film work and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of earnest and i think that kind of draws me also to it a little bit it it feels like, um, and I, I mean this as a compliment. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but it it feels like a like the next step beyond like a good BBC like movie or like made for made for TV movie. Uh, me saying that with the caveat that I think high quality BBC television is much better than than a lot of the made-for-TV stuff that we put out here in America. Yeah. For example, 
Sherlock. Yeah, or uh, or Luther or yeah. Broadchurch. Well, Broadchurch is more of a running series. Right. But But yeah. I could see that. Yeah. It's like production wise like you're seeing a lot of actors that you've seen on tv who are making a kind of film debut that kind of thing yeah it's kind of it'd be like if if it was produced here it would have been fox searchlight like the big indie company yeah for sure yeah it's i'd agree um do you want to rank it just get go straight to rankings is there anything else you wanted to touch on um um so a lot of the things about Edgar Wright's films, um, it's hard to find something that is just purely negative um, about them. Uh, he doesn't tend to leave a lot of weaknesses. Um, when the one flaw of the film that I can think of isn't even a flaw, it's just there are times where it seems that it's moving towards almost a, a like... An overdramatic like um, sentimentality, uh, especially when it comes to you know the family, and, right? And when it comes to his relationship with his best friend, but um, uh, it it manages through the authenticity of the of Simon Pegg's performance, of Nick Frost's performance, of uh, the mother's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it manages to steer just right along that edge and pull you back before you go ah this is unbelievable exactly it does you're right it does teeter towards that okay i get it we get it but yeah it just right before you get there it's like it does it pulls you right back back in bill nye is he the dad Oliver, no, what's who's the dad? Bill, it is. I don't know how to pronounce Nye. it. Nahi, Nahi, yeah. not um, the science guy. He's in, yeah, right. He's in uh, <laughs> Underworld. Love he's Actually. Love Actually. He's very famous British face. Yeah, you'd, you'd be like, you, oh, I love you that. You would guy. probably recognize him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the viewer. Uh, right. He's in a lot. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, the viewer, the listener, <laughs> the viewer of films with Bill Nahi in it. <laughs> what? <laughs> The listener of the podcast who is viewing. viewing. (laughs) (laughs) Look, just trust us, okay? (laughs) Uh, You'd know him. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really solid debut. Well, um, let's uh, let's see. I think for the PTA one, we rated as we went. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and because. We were because we were isolating this movie as a set of directing. We were allowing kind of to split hairs with half beers or classifications such as loggers right. or IPAs, if you would. Um, so, what would you rate this out of six beers? Out of six beers, I would say this is a solid. I would have to give it a solid five. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a certain uh, quality to it. Um, it's it's great, especially for what it is. I, I would say that's actually what limits it, is that it is a, a, a very niche right. uh, film. But it's still, it's still great. 
and it has the potential to reach people who normally wouldn't uh, view a horror film or a zombie movie. I do believe that, but I also think to some degree it prevents it from being a masterpiece. Sure. Um, it is a masterpiece of its kind, though. Of its genre. Yeah. Abs- it, that's absolutely true. But for me, this is the top. This is the six-beer Edgar Wright film. Mm. Um, kind of for everything you said, you spoke better about it than I did, which makes me feel like <laughs> I don't deserve to give it a six. <laughs> you do. But, uh, but yeah, this is my favorite uh, of of his films. This is his masterpiece. Um, and I think he's a very good filmmaker. And out of these five films, this is the one I've picked to be my favorite. So um, that's the one you'd pick out of a lineup. If, if someone were like, we're going to watch an Edgar Wright movie, what one would you, yeah, this pick? is the one I would, the pick. First one you would pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it, the nice thing about Edgar Wright is if you don't love horror, there's, four more films that you could pick that you'd be okay like recommending yeah, yeah. <laughs> um man we're gonna need to find a director that has like a broader range of like crap to like good films that's true coppola francis, francis ford, ford. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, deal Ooh. godfather three um, versus godfather two. oh my gosh not getting into it who <laughs> <laughs> Why did they even make the second Godfather? They could have just had the first one and the third one. What? No. 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 Yeah. What? You didn't like the second? No, it's garbage. The second one? Yeah. With Robert De Niro? Yeah, when he's doing all that cool stuff in Italy. That's boring. That should have been an hour and ten minutes long. I'd much rather watch Sofia Coppola. And <laughs> I, I hate the third one. I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, if if you didn't turn off the podcast, I'm oh. just kidding. Oh. The third Godfather is uh. garbage. Uh. But Jacob okay. said we're not getting into it. We're not getting into it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that was just a joke. I love the second one. In fact, it's better than the first one. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> guess that's over. Number two. Yeah, we got to get away from that quickly. Uh, <laughs> Hot Fuzz. 2007. Ooh, three years. Uh, Jacob, why don't you take us into the rundown? Let's go into... I'm really messing it up. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. <laughs> the rundown. Sergeant Nicholas Angel. Expert in hand-to-hand combat. Armed response and high-speed pursuit. He was so good, they reassigned him. Right. You've been making us all look bad. There's one thing you haven't taken into account, and that's what the team is going to make of this. Statistically, Sanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city cop. You ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. You ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. Ha! 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 
That's just going to scare it. But in a place where not much goes on. Watch this. <laughs> a whole lot is about to go down. Three people have died in a week. Accidents happen all the time. What makes you think it was murder? There hasn't been a murder in 20 years. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Not everyone's a murderous psychopath. It's high time you realise that. You and your monkey. Did he mean me or that? Have you ever wondered why the crime rate is so low and yet the accident rate is so high? Oh, uh, yeah. Bust this thing wide open. From the guys who watched every action movie ever made and created Shaun of the Dead. You never taken a shortcut before? Oh, yeah. When the heat is on, here come the fuzz. You gotta call. The fuzz. Gunfights, car chases. And that's what I'm talking about. Got a mustache. I know. This is the second of the Cornetto trilogy. And this movie is about... This is, instead of a horror comedy, this is a buddy cop comedy. Uh, also with slight, uh, slight elements of horror. <laughs> uh, this is... Let's see. Simon Pegg plays... Nicholas Angel, and he's the top cop in a big city. Uh, he's too good. He's like the best. And they send him to this little town. I can't remember what the town is called. Yeah, it's one of those weird ones where, like, the way they say it versus how it's, like, written out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it looks like New Bedford Shah-Rah-Rah-Rah, and they're like, New Bedfordshire. And they're like, how do you get that from that? Uh, and so once he leaves the big city, he's paired up with uh, Nick Frost, and he is a simple cop. He is he's a village cop. He's essentially the sheriff, the the country sheriff, the bumpkin. Yeah. And so it's it's a it's a classic mismatched cop movie where you've got the ace and the rookie essentially and they team up to solve no crime <laughs> in this little town because this little town is perfect there's no crime there's no murder there's no uh there's there's nothing wrong in this town that's kind of why this top cop gets sent there cuz his boss doesn't like him right. essentially it's like an award winning town that's known for being like the perfect small town exactly and then all of a sudden, there's an accident, and one of the one of the townsfolk is ends up dead. But it's just a sad accident. But the only one there who can see that it's not an accident is this oily, squeaky clean, too good cop. And uh, and yeah, so he has to convince this country bumpkin cop that there's something sinister going on in this town, and so. They change each other. <laughs> <laughs> they laugh. They drink some pints, and uh, yeah, they try and solve. They try and figure out what's happening in the in this little town. That's too good to be true. Mm. Mm. Anything else you want to add or fix? Um, 
No, but I think I, I think I, the more I think about it, I'm changing where it's at on my ranking system. Okay. So anyway, we'll Ooh, we'll get yeah, into that. We'll get though. to that. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh so I'll I'll go first about this one. This is very funny. Mm-hmm. And this I would say typically is more my genre than comedy horror. I love buddy cop films. Lethal Weapon, bring it on. The Nice Guys, bring it on. Beverly Hills Cop. I love these cop movies where you've got your mismatched cop. This movie fits in flawlessly. It's more British than those that I just mentioned. Uh, And I actually sometimes have a hard time with a certain sense of British humor, but not here. It's very visual. It's very stylized. It's very uh, bang, bang. It's quick. It's... uh, it's funny. These two are so fun to watch together. And they, to me, they are at their most fun in Hot Fuzz. Mm. Mm. Uh, the scene, <laughs> you know it's coming. I don't, even if you haven't, didn't see the preview where the cop, uh, Simon Pegg's character, the, the, the too good cop, jumps over the fence <laughs> and Nick Frost just plows Plus right through, through it. it. It's a classic. Yeah. Oh, that's I didn't that's a running gag in all three movies. You're right. And as I said that, I was like, oh, that's in something else. Yeah, it's in all three movies. There's some sort of uh <laughs> fence jumping scene that goes awry. Oh man. But yeah, it's it's so funny. And uh <clears throat> and when this comes to the action scene, and as we're talking about this, I'm starting to notice a trend which when we talk about baby driver when i talked about it last week it kind of i didn't love it but as i'm thinking about it as a collective from this director mm-hmm. i'm appreciating it a lot more when it ti- when it's time to get violent this guy gets violent and fun yeah uh there's some gruesome scenes one involving a church steeple oh my oh, oh. <laughs> it's oh, it's so bad it's like <clears throat> The first time we watched it, I remember you cracking up because it's just, it's so, it's horrifying, but it's so absurd simultaneously yes. that you're just like dying. Um, oh, but what a, what a great, what a great film. I, I agree with you. Um, what also is interesting to me is this is the first cop movie I think I've ever seen where there is a big shootout scene in which the cops don't kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. uh it's so funny because that's a that's a british thing right uh they can't they don't use force in the same way that we do because there were some problems and some laws were put into place uh and so right. it is hilarious to watch a movie that that quite uh uh unabashedly there's there's a scene in the movie where the two cops sit down to watch other cop movies, and you can tell yes. that like it's it's essentially <laughs> Edgar Edgar Wright saying like I know this is an original like no duh right. Uh, they, what do they watch? They watch Point Break. They watch Point Break. They watch uh, Bad Boys Two. Yes, which the is doves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is a great great flick. Yeah. It is. It really is. I my my 
two favorite parts of it. I agree with you that I think this is is really funny. Um, I think of the three films in the Cornetto trilogy, this one is the best written. Um, or if it's not the best written, it is the best acted. There's a certain... Yes. The timing is is perfect. The cast is brilliant. Like, I don't think I've seen a better cast. Everyone in <sighs> that film is is perfect. Um, uh, Billy Whitelaw, who was a protege of Samuel Beckett in theater. So she's like an absurdist, uh, uh, surrealist, uh, theater actress. Uh, she plays the innkeeper's wife. Okay. (laughs) The the lady who does crosswords. Yeah. And she's a brilliant actress who has this, it's not quite a bit part. Right. But essentially they, they pick people who are legendary that's funny to be uh small actors or small parts timothy dalton is in it who's he uh he's the i'm a slasher that guy the the, yeah. uh, the oh the grocery store owner <laughs> who's the priest uh i love the priest oh i can't remember um um i need to go back and look at it but you have you have this cast of brilliant british actors who um are seriously taking up uh just every little bit that they can uh bill nighy shows up again for literally 10 seconds uh (laughs) along with martin freeman uh you all might know him as the hobbit uh, or as john watson in the sherlock tv series right um i mean the list goes on and on of just these people that you would recognize but never really know why just because they're they're actually kind of a part of um the british like televisual Mm. conscious conscience gotcha um consciousness that's what i was going for (laughs) uh i'm gonna go through a full cast list i'm not gonna read it out loud to you, but i'm gonna find all the good ones um because we're still looking for the paul freeman plays reverend philip shooter I didn't recognize him. No, but you were asking. You, right, you yeah, love him, right? Though, yeah, right? He, yeah, he's great. He is great. Um, he's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, he's the he's the bad guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's oh. right. Like the the main blonde dude. Right. Wow. Um, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Anyway, you have this wonderful cast that is pulling off these lines that is just seriously like listening to popcorn go off. Oh yeah, uh, the timing is, it is excellent. Very well written. Um, You're right. To the point where I am still, after years of watching this film, finding new jokes and new puns and new word plays that are being said throughout the entire script. And, and it's just funny. This yeah. one is so funny. Yeah. I mean, even though... <laughs> the spoiler alert, close your ears. But where the guy's like, I lost my goose. And he's like, what's your name? And he's like, peter ian staker and he's like pi staker piss taker like come on and then it just cuts to the next scene and he's hunting a goose through a field because the guy wasn't kidding and it's just it's it is great uh wonderful filmmaking yeah it's good it's good um if i had to pick a negative aspect of this movie it would be um, just, just kind of the the neat little bow it ties at the end. Um, 
And that's a weak... That is a weak negative part to pick on but uh but you know if you're if you're trying to think objectively i also think um i think this movie in the beginning third kind of takes a slow start to get going yeah Um, yeah i agree with that but other than i it's not a problem it's not like i skipped the first third it's all wonderful just if i had to pick that's probably two weaknesses that I would be like. See, that's funny because I would I would highly disagree with you about the end, particularly because I think it fits the movie style. Yes, uh, it does, and Shaun of the Dead also fits the the ending there too. Is kind of these all kind of get tied up in a bow, except yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk yeah. about the world's end, right? Because uh, that's actually what affects its ranking for me. Okay. Yeah, and that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, but yeah. So, what do you want to rate? Hot Fuzz. Uh, Hot Fuzz is my six. Hot Fuzz, I think, is I think is I six beers. You just said it was your. I thought you said it was your last one. No, 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 no. Well, Scott Pilgrim's my last one. Oh no, this one's my. This one's my my. Okay. Uh, Good. Yeah, this Good. one. I'll it, cut that it, part because <laughs> what, what I thought about was um, your response to that you would watch Shaun of the Dead if you were given a lineup. Yeah, I would pick Hot Fuzz. Gotcha. Every time, every time, just like that one would be. That one would be the one where if other people picked it, I would be stoked no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. Okay, I see. Yeah. Uh, so it's fun. It's it is funny. Fun. It's funny. It's, it's very funny. Um. It's cringeworthy without yeah <laughs> without being without being uh, too haphazard. It goes beyond the violence of most police movies, which is kind of funny. Yes, uh, while at the same time being a a cop movie, right? And again, the phenomenal cast just puts it puts it over the edge. That's my that's my Edgar Wright masterpiece. I think good for me. It's it's a five and a half or a five. Double Imperial <laughs> Citrus IPA. <laughs> okay, Double Imperial. For me, I'd I'd actually prefer not an Imperial, but I prefer a Citrus IPA uh, as like my five and a half. Yep. Uh, it's right below Shaun of the Dead, and if you ask me tomorrow, I might switch. Like might they're switch. that yeah. close yeah. to me, um, but I have to pick, so I picked it. To be second. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good to pick. It's good to be resolute. Right. <laughs> At least for the sake of a podcast exactly. ranking movie. Exactly. Um, so there we go. The third Cornetto. The mint chocolate chip drumstick. Mm. <laughs> I'm getting the... ice cream after this. <laughs> ice cream break. <laughs> the world's end. Ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other, but ends up being the best night of your life? I did. Our goal that night was simple. 12 pubs, 12 pints. From the first post to the world's end. But that night, we never made it. I saw the boys the other day. Uh We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 points. <laughs> Steady on you, Alki. 
This is our chance to finally finish what we started. <laughs> we are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. Good evening, Raimondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. What do you recommend? Beer. Mmm. One tap, what's this? What? What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's not us that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Welcome home, boys. End. What do we do? Let's finish our drinks. Take it away. Take it away. But what am I doing? You're gonna do the rundown. The rundown. <laughs> there we go. I just needed to hear you say it. Uh, it's like a it's like a drug bust. I just need to hear you say the words. Uh, do we have a deal? So, the world's end is about. A reliving of the greatest day of one man's life. Gary King is a washed up rock star kind of guy who uh, viewed himself to be really cool in high school. And in high school, at the end of high school, he and his friends went out one night and did, uh, it's called the Golden Mile, right? Yeah. Uh, which is they hit up every pub in their tiny little hamlet uh, in order to just get absolutely blasted. Um, and they couldn't finish it. And it was, he remembers it as one of the best nights of his life. So he gets all his friends together to redo this and he coerces them. He blackmails them. <laughs> he straight up lies to them to get them to come. But when they get to their old hometown, something is not right. Uh, and they soon come to find out that their hometown has been invaded by uh, an otherworldly entity. Um, and so no, you don't know who you can trust. Um, and the film is uh, a wonderful look at not only uh, what friendship really is, but also um, what it means to be human. Hmm. Um yeah, and that's that's basically it. And so we're going out of chronological order. Here. Oh yeah, because Scott but, Pilgrim. But that's yeah. because we're finishing the we're Cornetto, finishing the Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. Uh, but yeah, I, we did not say this came out in 2013. Yes, so not it did. Too long ago. Um. Yeah, this movie also stars the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost yep. combo. But in addition, it adds. Uh, Martin Freeman, who was in Hot Fuzz, and let's see here. Um, this also has uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Gone Girl. Yeah, uh, Rosa uh, Rosamund Pike. Yes, Rosamund Pike. She's really good in this. Yeah, she is great. Um, anyway, yeah, take it away. Um, yeah, I guess. The one thing that I would mention in the rundown that you didn't mention is, as far as the actors go, in the first two, Simon Pegg plays the straight-laced kind of good guy, and Nick Frost plays the 
wilder or sillier or simpler, kind of the bigger character. Yeah. In this one, Simon Pegg is the crazy guy, mm-hmm. and Nick Frost plays the straight man, essentially, out of the in the two of them. Right. So their their roles as who is at the forefront of the film has not changed, but right the character they are playing has switched. And th- yeah, and that's actually going to be a big bring down for me um and but i don't want to talk about that yet so okay we'll get there (laughs) um yeah this movie in theory should work really well for me it's a story about five guys it's let's see if we're doing a a horror comedy a buddy comedy like a police buddy comedy and then this one would be sci-fi essentially a sci-fi buddy comedy um almost hangover-esque without the like i mean actually a little bit of repetition from like because of the many years ago i would like to throw out there that in england the drinking age is much younger than 21 so it's not like they were doing something bad i just feel like that's something our listeners would be like well high schoolers shouldn't be drinking anyways (laughs) oh but they do but sometimes, <laughs> especially uh, in England, <laughs> where it's totally normal and okay. Um, <laughs> things cost more than they used to. Uh, so yeah, so the world's end. Um. Okay, so I there's a, this is my least favorite, and I, know. I almost just don't really like it that much. Mm. Um, I. I'm trying to think on this one specifically. My favorite part is definitely the interaction between the guys. Um, that is, it's the most true to life. Uh, this is like the realest representation, not of good friendship, but of real humanity. Is like, um, you. I had this. I had the opposite experience recently. people change and in this group of people they all grow up they get real jobs obviously something happens in the past and this this group is very real it's very human and that is very it's not necessarily fun to watch Mm. but it's it's interesting and it's intriguing and had it been I think that's the movie I wanted to see the movie about these old friends breaking through new, like breaking through old, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Baggage, breaking Mm -hmm. through old baggage and rekindling something that meant something to one person because the Gary King character is obviously struggling. He's in a dark place. And yes, these guys get together out of coercion and being lied to and told their mother's dead and stuff like that. Like, but that's the movie I wanted. I wanted to see these guys have this human dramedy where it's like, look, these guys get to go through the, the golden mile and finish and like, see where they come at the end of this. Can one night really change five friends who used to be tight and grew apart? Like, I don't know. And then, uh, 
and so that part of the movie is really fun for me to watch. I love their conversations. I love that development. I love the old, you know, because this is where they grew up. So they all have these different memories. And that's kind of fun where they're like, no, that's not that's not what happened at all. Right, you know, yeah. like kind of this whole the, the victor remembers something different than the loser remembers right, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, so in that aspect, I really did enjoy that part of this film. Uh, I don't know if you want me to go on with what I did not enjoy. Well, it seems like everything else almost. <laughs> yeah, first of all, sci-fi is my least favorite genre. I thought the the fighting in this movie is awesome. Yeah. Really. And it departs from being gory. It, yeah, it's it, blue instead. <laughs> right, because it's basically the, they're fighting aliens right. instead of human beings, so there's less gore and more goop. And almost robotic, like. It almost feels like they're like they've been replaced with robots, even. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this ending was really uh, different, which I did like. But right before the actual ending, there's this weird scene where they go down into the cell. This is just so far fetched. Like the other movies were far fetched in genre. This one, even within the genre, just felt out of control to me, and. I think I really just wanted a different movie, which isn't Edgar Wright's fault. It's right. my fault, and I, I'll take responsibility for that. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you can uh, admit <laughs> to that. But when I was enjoying the first half being like, oh, where is this going? Like, this is so different. And mm. then it turned out to be kind of the same, maybe in a genre I don't really love. So I think that's probably a culmination of why this one just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I love this film. Uh I really do. Uh, <laughs> I know you do. The scene you hate is actually, I think, the best part of the film. Um, the, in which, it, in the, which, in which the main characters come face to face with what is causing this thing to happen, and there's just this very sci-fi Asimov-esque, like, um, uh, basically taking uh, this movie owes a lot to invasion of the body snatchers and those types of films uh, or cocoon yeah. to a lesser degree. Right. Um, but uh, there is this philosophical discussion about what it means to be human, except it's being mm-hmm. argued with, with a intelligent, logical, sentient being and a bunch of <laughs> loaded drunk human beings. And I just think it's, <laughs> it's, I, it, I remember sitting in the theater and just having chills all over my body. And it's this absurd and stupid scene. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about it. Like, and that's the point, right? It's not, it's not supposed to be this like really (laughs) stirring thing. Uh, and they do a really, the cast does a really good job of not making it like that. Um, I also think the, I thought the writing was, was excellent. Uh, as far as dialogue, um, I think it flows in a way that uh, the other two films don't. I feel like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost really hit their stride as far as the two of them together. Um, there was also... This one has a harder reality to it than the other two did. Um, yeah. The movie takes a turn that you don't expect it to, not just in the sense of what's happening sci-fi-wise... Uh, and not in the sense that it doesn't make sense or that it's poorly executed, right? But in the sense that um, 
this movie becomes about something very personal and very uh heartbreaking mm. while still being a comedy and so um uh which i think it does well um the reason that yeah I, that's my favorite part yeah is yeah. that is that gut punch i wish it had stayed there kind of yeah yeah <laughs> um and that and the the gut punch for me which leads into the like why humans are the way humans are mm. which is a little bit more lighthearted and kind of a big middle finger to <laughs> uh a lot of thinking um is great my biggest problem with the world's end is what happens after that um and the way in which they kind of try to tie together loose ends um and it's not that it's it's bad it's not at the end of it you're looking at certain characters and you're going oh like good for them or whatever but it's not quite as satisfying as it as I feel that it could have been. Agreed. Um, it, it almost feels like a really good writer was brought in to hastily wrap it up. Mm. If that makes sense. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not mad about that. I just wanted more. Yeah. Um, and so I can see that. I think that's actually, I would argue that's actually probably one of the weakest points in the entire five films that we're discussing tonight is, is it, the ending. The very end. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's why it's not my favorite. That's why of the Cornetto trilogy, I will actually rank it lower than the other two. Okay. Um, because it, that's almost an unforgivable unforgivable for me it has my favorite moment of all three films but yeah it also has the lowest moments of all three right. films yeah that's fair so what would you rate it then uh this is gonna be hard because we still have two other films to write it is um i still give it a i'd say i'd give it a, a, a four uh, I, yeah, I gave Sean a five. So yeah, I would, I would give it a four. Um, and I would say it's because that, that high point for me is such a high point. Yeah. Um, like in the sense of it being a, a moment of like epiphany for me. Um, but it's low point almost drags it into the three for me. Not quite, but so I'd say a low four. A, yeah. Uh, four pails montucky cold snacks like oh yeah those are not that good <laughs> but they're cheap kind of tastes like bubble gum after someone's already eaten it <laughs> Gross. that's exactly what it tastes like yeah, right thank you uh yeah for me this you know i, I talked enough about it it does dip into the three for me mm. not i was again we're rating i mean This uh, Edgar Wright is nowhere near as talented as someone like Paul Thomas Anderson to me, um, who is so versatile. Yeah. Um, but when we're looking at his films uh, and comparatively, this movie compared to something else, maybe it it's not. It maybe it doesn't deserve a three. Maybe right. it deserves a four. But since we're doing this specifically in this Edgar Wright bubble, mm. it's a three. Um, and uh, and yeah, so 
There has to be a loser somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is your loser? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is my loser. I think that part of it was with the way I watched it. Mm. I think I watched it on lunch breaks <laughs> uh, through t- two and a half lunch breaks. Yeah. Um, I hate breaking up movies, but I like watching movies more than not watching them. Right. So... I'd rather watch a movie in three sittings than not watching it at all. So had maybe I watched it with you in one sitting, I might have appreciated it more. Mm -hmm. I'm also by myself. So something that, you know, I was just talking at a bachelor party this weekend about like how the audience matters. Yeah. And so if you're watching a movie by yourself, even if you're in the theater, but there's nobody there and you're, and it's supposed to be funny but no one else is laughing, you might walk away thinking, that wasn't that funny of a movie. But had you seen the very same movie in a in a crowded theater that was just really loving the theater, or like you see it with a buddy who's like, oh, check out that, did you see that bunny? Or, you know, or, or whatever it was. Right, like, right. Maybe you get a different appreciation, which I would not put past watching this again yeah. and having a really good time. Mm, so, yeah. But yeah. for now, it's a three. Yeah. That's totally fair. I think you. I think you make great points about it. I. I. I think I would say it's probably his weakest film oh. of the five. I just wouldn't rank it that low because yeah. again, I've got that. The high parts of it prevent it from being absolutely like the way the way it moves me emotionally versus like a technical aspect. From a technical aspect, it is the worst. Okay. Oh, uh, I'm glad you said from that. From an emotional aspect, um, I think it's one of the better ones. Sure. And we'll get into that as we review the next two. The next one is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Ooh. Do you want to take us there? Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here, got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay, you should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, we sign for your damn package. So yeah, eight o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band. Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, one! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo! Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? 
What are you doing? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a film based on a comic book series, um, or I guess a graphic novel series, six books, six volumes, uh, by Brian Lee O'Malley, a Canadian artist um, and writer. And Scott Pilgrim is a Canadian 23-year-old, he's in his early 20s, and he's not getting his life together. Uh, he's a washed up post punk post high schooler who is juggling a girlfriend that he doesn't really like. Who's in high school. Uh, when suddenly this woman walks into his life named Ramona and he falls in love with Ramona head over heels instantaneously. Uh, and as they start spending time together, uh, it becomes apparent that if Scott wants to be able to have a future with Ramona, he must fight her seven evil exes uh, who show up periodically throughout the film and try to just beat the crud out of <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Um, and so as much as this uh, sounds strange to you, it gets even stranger because this was made particularly for uh, mine and Kevin's generation, a generation that grew up, m- most of us, uh-huh. <laughs> playing video games and listening to alternative 90s music. Um, and so there are tons of... It, it's stylized like a video game. All the fight scenes have references to Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, uh, Mario. Um, it is a wacky movie based on a wacky right. um, intellectual property. Uh, and uh, it is fun to root for Scott Pilgrim while at the same time being like, dude, get your life together. That's the rundown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, this movie was made for my generation, but not made for me. <laughs> right. This is not my style. Uh, for the listeners, I had to tell Kevin, like, all right, all you have to know is punk rock and video games. <laughs> That's exactly right. And just look past that. And I said, oh, great. <laughs> and I hadn't watched this on purpose because it looked terrible to me. Um, starring Mark- Michael Sarah as uh, Scott Pilgrim, uh, who is not an actor I enjoy on the regular. I think he's got his place where he's fine. Uh, as a lead, though, I take him a little hard to swallow um but starring a great cast including uh brie larson who i really adore and then what's the woman's name something she Uh, was in 10 cloverfield lane yeah uh winstead mary yeah elizabeth winstead yeah there we go um and then we've got the the coppola Coppola. Yeah. The the nerdy guy at the end, Gideon. 
Oh, got it. Schwartz, Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, we got him. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Captain America. Gosh, he's so good. Oh, he's great. Um, um, oh man, this this movie is full of cameos. Is it Kieran Culkin or is it? Yeah, it is Kieran. It's Kieran. All right. The the younger right younger he's than the Macaulay. Middle. Oh, yeah, because okay. there's Macaulay, Kieran, and Rory. Ha, I remembered. Nice. Wow. We got Allison Pill. Oh, Allison Pill. She's she she's a celebrity crush for me. Always has been. Uh Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> she's great. And Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is yeah. Uh and none of these none of the the only person the only two characters that are a constant and a main would be Kieran, Scott, and Mary Elizabeth. Winstead, so yeah. so Kieran. Well, the, the band's Michael. the band's a little bit more, yeah, consistent. But they're not major characters, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I either way, this it's got full. This movie's full of faces that yeah. come and go, and they're they're you recognize them, and it's fun to see them, even though none of them really stick around, and it's it's just kind of fun. Um, and that's the that's the one word I would describe this movie as is if you can get past the ridiculous concept. <laughs> um, so like, I'm totally down for a guy who's dating a girl who has to beat up her seven exes in order to win over her approval. I'm totally down for that until he's fighting with fire swords out of nothing and then when he gets the final cut or whatever they burst into coins <laughs> that he's rolling around on the floor trying to collect <laughs> like uh but i will say this movie had me it it reminded me a lot of ang lee's hulk <laughs> With no, I'm just kidding. Although it Boo. does do split screens, it does, it does something really cool that I don't know if I've seen before, where the camera's looking at Scott Pilgrim, and nothing really changes until it turns away, and all of a sudden it's a different time of day. They're in a different location. The microwave goes off, and all of a sudden they're in the band, like they're playing the band, or like. This was masterfully edited, like, yeah. uh, which owes a lot actually to the comic book because the comic book is paced like that as well, and it makes sense for this film. It was really, I don't know if it could have kept my attention had it been a straightforward, a boy meets girl fights girl's ex falls in love or whatever like it was just it was so out of the ordinary that i couldn't help but really enjoy watching this movie yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't love punk rock either or whatever kind of music it was but it just fit so well and like you know i've been listening to baby driver soundtrack nonstop, and this music for uh for scott pilgrim didn't have the same effect on me but that being said, it fit the movie so well that yeah. it was just it was just really fun. I I don't know if I would walk away ever wanting to watch it again or but I was definitely not disappointed that I did watch it. Mm, I did yeah. have a really good time. Yeah. Everything everything for the film is built 
for the film, uh, which is one of the great aspects of mm. it. The soundtrack uh, is produced and composed by Nigel Godrich, who has produced most Radiohead albums. Right. Um, and then the people who wrote the songs, you had Metric from Canada, you had Beck. Uh, oh, yeah. A couple of the people from Broken Social Scene, which is another big supergroup out of Canada. Okay. Um, oh, and it takes place in Canada. It takes place in the magical land of Toronto, Canada. Yeah. Which is how they explain why everything's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just different there than it is in America. Um, yes. But, yeah, so it gives it gives the characters, and the characters are actually performing. Uh, everybody knows how to play their instruments. Oh, that's kind of play. a cool aspect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Allison Pill learned how to play the drums. Uh, Michael, Sarah and Mark Weber, the two guys yeah. already knew how to play some. Um, Brie Larson sings cause she already has a good right. voice. Um, yeah, it's just, it's the attention to detail for such a fake world is <laughs> pretty cool, especially for, it's not Lord of the Rings. So it's not like an entire world has to be crafted. It's a world that's added on top of one that we already recognize. Yeah, it's just a layer. It's like yeah. an alternative universe kind of thing. Yeah. Everything's the same except you're sometimes except you're in a randomly, video game. There are video doors <laughs> in the middle of the road that yeah. you can walk through and they yeah. take you somewhere else. <laughs> and I don't know what it was about this. I normally hate that kind of crap, but I just I just was really enjoying myself. There's a certain level of, of absurdity and I think it plays into the early 20s and that in that feeling of just being like I don't know how things work, like just kind of right. like uh, okay okay, let's go do that. Like that <laughs> aimlessness is is more in, more indicative I think of of a person's state of mind during those like late teens transition years and so. it fits so well in uh, the Culkin gentleman's bed how like there's always a new person in there yeah and not just a new person but i mean a, a new person like there's kieran his boyfriend and then another gentleman joins them in one scene and, like and they just all kind of pop up at once. <laughs> right, and like, one after another, yeah, asking so questions it, in tandem. Yeah, and then, you know, next thing you know, like, what, at one point there's, like, five of them or something like that? Yeah. It might well, just get Scott gets up, yeah. and then... And Scott, then yeah. Scott gets up, and then there's four people in the bed, and it's just like, why? Yeah, it's, just, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's absurd. It's it, absurd to the point of being just enjoyable. That's exactly what it is. This... Uh, this did not have the same effect as Swiss Army Man did to me. But I could definitely get behind it being like, look, this isn't what I normally watch, but let's just let it go and have a good time because everyone in the movie seems to be having a great time. Right. And it was just, I just really had fun with it. I think for me, the big part was the the, the editing. Just the camera movement and that mixed with like, Oh wait, why why are we in the library all of a sudden? Like we're yeah. having the same conversation but now we're in the library. And then you step out and instead of stepping into 
the street like you would you step into your house like what because like, you're already there because it's the transition and it's just i i loved that aspect of yeah. this movie that i that was i hadn't seen before i don't think yeah well there's that there's one particular great scene after scott sees ramona for the first time where he can't even think and it goes from the library to band practice to them walking into a gig yes and it's it seriously is the span of like 30 seconds but because he's so lost in this feeling that he has it just it's seamless and people's voices change you know his his girlfriend at the time is saying his name and then suddenly his bandmate shouting in his ear which (laughs) then when he asks him wait what the bandmate they're walking down the street and the bandmate's explaining where they're going and it's yeah you just get caught up in it yeah, it was it was just really fun. Yeah. Um negatives for me um there was not much compelling yeah here. It's it's fun, it's lighthearted, it's zero else. <laughs> like um and it's it's beautiful to look at. I thought that like it just looks really good too. Mm-hmm. Um you had mentioned you had never seen it in high def before and we rented it in high definition on my nice TV. Um, and so, I mean, it looked really good too, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I couldn't recommend it because it's not, nothing really much there to recommend. Like, oh, what kind of a mood are you in? Are you in a weird <laughs> hipster? <laughs> it's, it's definitely, well, I feel like, like this film and baby driver are different because they both are more of the like pop entertainment, like, I'm going to watch this to be entertained. I'm going to watch this to like, you know, enjoy an action movie. Right. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole, the whole storyline is kind of, it's a very basic one that most of us know. Right. And you know, just, okay, we get it. Like, you know, in order to love someone, you have to drop over your hangups with right. their past and your own past. And your own past. That was a por- important part too. Cause meanwhile, all the, all the while you're focusing on her past but his past never leaves him. He's still got Knives Chow and the Allison Pill, the name lady, are just crazy. Kim and, Pine and Envy Knives Chow, Ramona Flowers, Envy Adams. Yeah, and it's so so crazy, right? And so like that's kind of an interesting aspect of the film is like while you're listening, while you're watching him, like that's probably the deepest part of the film is while you're watching him fight off her exes. It's almost as if she's been over them but the whole movie is is not really about her exes that he has to fight it's more about his own past that he has to grow up in or i don't know it was it was clever in that aspect it was kind of it was one of those you're watching the 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 magic trick where Mm -hmm. like you're watching the hand over here but it's the other hand that's actually doing the trick and so it it was clever. I liked that about it. Yeah, but that's that's honestly about as far as it goes. As far as right. newness in the storyline or cleverness, it's yeah. something we're all familiar with or that we've seen before. But you've never seen it like this. Right? You just you haven't. Yeah, um, for sure. And that's I having read several pieces of Brian Lee O'Malley's work. Um, that makes sense. Uh, I think Edgar Wright did something great with what he had, which was something good. Like if anyone were to make a Scott Pilgrim film, I'm glad it was Edgar Wright. Yeah. Um, 
but you know that's the exact same thing with the comic book you're like this is awesome i've never seen this done this way before but it's still the same thing it's somewhat derivative the one thing i'll point out is this is the only pg-13 movie edgar wright's directed oh yeah the rest are rated r the rest are rated r um for violence and that i think being set in the video game world kind of gives him this allowance where the fighting again just like in the world's end which actually i guess technically comes after this one but the fighting in this one is very fun Um, yeah so stylized yet really just visually appealing to watch yeah i liked it um i would rate this i would rate this a solid four like my go-to four ipas yeah um Yeah, that, that's that's it. I think I agree with you. I would give it. I would give it a solid four. Um, what it lacks in substance, it makes up in style. And yeah. In a rare way, I am not usually the kind of person to say I like this film because it's pretty, even though it, <laughs> there's not much to it. That's true. You're definitely more of a substance guy. Uh, yeah, but I this film, I just think it's it's done so well, and it just it speaks to. I also grew up in that. I grew right. up sneaking punk rock albums from my parents. <laughs> I grew up playing video games. So there are there are moments I had to stop myself watching it with you from being like, oh, that's music from this video game. And that's right. music from this video I'm game. I'm glad you did stop that. Right. Because it would have <laughs> ruined the experience. But there's – it also just speaks to me because in some ways I have felt that aimlessness. Mm. It's probably my parents' fault. But <laughs> – but yeah, I, I give it a solid four because it it touches on a certain memory and a certain quality of um, entertainment experience. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, last week we re- we rated Baby Driver. Uh, I rated it a four, hmm. but that's not going to be the rating it's going to get tonight, based in this Edgar Wright bubble. Hmm. So. Do you want to bring us into the rundown? Baby is a driver. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just starting your day or did you just get off? They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? I'm a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y Baby. It's one who say listen to the music all the time. Is he uh, mental? Mental meaning slow. Was he slow? No. He had an accident when he was a kid. Still has a hum in the drum. Plays music to drown it out. And that's what makes him the best. One more job and I'm done. One more job and we're straight. Now, I don't think I need to give you the speech about what happens when you say no, how I can break your legs and kill everyone you love. Because you already know that, don't you? Yeah. The moment you catch feelings... Is the moment you catch a bullet. And your uh, waitress girlfriend, she's cute. Let's keep it that way. I want to 
us to head west and never stop. You in? I'm in, baby. One of these days, baby, you're gonna get blood on your hands. Time to face the music. Baby, we need to get out of here. I have to end this. Are we in bed together now? Baby. Baby? Baby. Doc said Michael Myers. This is Mike Myers. It should be the Halloween mask. This is a Halloween mask. No, the killer dude from Halloween. Oh, you mean Jason. No! Baby, you tell me who does. She a good girl? You love her? Yes, I do. That's too bad. Uh, so Baby Driver is a film, duh, about <laughs> this young man named Baby who has a love of uh, driving cars and um, has a certain amount of criminality to him that mm-hmm. we're all familiar with if we watch movies. He's the lovable criminal. Right. Um, uh, and because of a car accident when he was young, he consistently has to listen to music to drown out the tinnitus going on in his head um, because of the car accident when he was little. Um, So he is in debt to a shady figure played very well by Kevin Mm -hmm. Spacey. And he is the driver for heists that Kevin Spacey organizes and puts together by, you know, reaching out his tendrils and connecting with the criminal world and finding groups of people to bring together. Um, and as this goes on, uh, Baby falls in love with a waitress. And as you know, <laughs> you can't fall in love if you're a good-hearted criminal. You can't. You can't. It's just not going to work. Um, and so Baby has to somehow figure out this quote-unquote one last job, uh, which ends up spiraling out of control as things will in a film. Um, And so he has to protect himself as well as the people that he loves um, from his uh, co-workers. Yeah. Uh, I think Robert De Niro says it best. If you can't walk out on something in 15 seconds or less, it doesn't belong in your life. If you're living this criminal life, I'll let him say it. he says it way better than me. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that didn't make sense. <laughs> Guy told me one time don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. Now, if you're around me and you got to move when I move, how do you expect to keep a, a marriage? That's an interesting point. What are you, a monk? Wise <laughs> words from Bob yeah, De Niro. Exactly. Sounds good. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and it really wasn't until talking to you about these other movies that I realized the violence at the end of Baby Driver fits 
perfectly within Edgar Wright's style. Mm. Um, I didn't think it fit the first half of the movie very well. Um, you know, we kind of talk about how it's the first half seems to be all about being smooth and slick and uh, getting away and not getting your hands dirty. And he's always got the music on because he's flawless. And then at the end, it just goes out of control and messy and dirty and uh, people get hurt and you know and like it's and I didn't love the way that that tone ended but in thinking back it really fits in with Edgar Wright's style and kind of almost a statement on violence maybe uh, maybe I'm reading too much into it because one way or the other it's just a fun, fun action movie. Yeah. Um, I, well, I think I think you made a great point with the whole like he he doesn't he doesn't want to be the same as these people who either are sociopathic in some sense or I wouldn't even say that that's unfair to to people who are who are sociopaths who are cruel and who <laughs> right. are hurtful and who are unhinged in certain ways. Um, he doesn't want to be like them because he's not there for the same reason. Uh, and so I think that also, how, how else do you get out of that? I think, I think you make a good point that stylistically it actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. he is unable to maintain that lie. Cause the thing is, is he is that. And that kind of fits in with John Hamm as well, who seems like such a, a good criminal right at the beginning he's the guy who stands up for baby he's the one who's like hey like relax he's a good driver he does his job get off his back quit making fun of him you know he does that in the in the early bits of the scene and you kind of have like a little heart for him like number one it's john ham and good grief is he handsome his jaw i could cut glass on it (laughs) cut a diamond Uh, John, we need you over at the diamond cutting shop. We need your chin. Gee, for those of you uh, unfamiliar with John Hamm, he is the he played uh, Don Draper in Mad Men. He's uh, a great actor. If you like, if you think about what a sexy man looks like, but not a specific sexy man, it's, it's him. John Hamm. <laughs> <laughs> You're like kind of like George Clooney, but sexier. Oh, that's John Hamm. <laughs> every every cartoon where they had a handsome man who is from the fifties. Yes, it's John Hamm. It is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then but there is that one moment where his where his wife says like, "Remember when you stabbed that guy because he was looking at me funny?" And yeah, you just go, and "He gets wait what excited like, about it?" Yeah, and yeah, it's a very good good film that plays on these stereotypes and that's Um, kind of the scene where you realize that like baby is also a part of this he's not separate he's not the john ham of the heist crew (laughs) yeah they're all the same they're all willing to do what it takes and you know maybe one enjoys it less than the other but at the same time they're all doing it and they're all getting their rocks off with it like I thought, yeah, in in reconsideration, um, yeah, that the 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 violence at the end fits in perfectly. Um, yeah, I my my favorite part of the entire film is that you are constantly guessing what the ultimate showdown is going to be, 
you have an idea about who the bad guy is and then it shifts and you're like no that person's the bad guy yeah nice try edgar right and then you get another twist and you're like oh wait and it, it's just it's a very uh interesting way to sit in a film that is not normally a guessing game mm-hmm. a type of film that's not pretty normally a guessing straightforward game. and to actually be entertained by these just tiny turns it's not it's not m night Shyamalan. it's exactly. not like you have to go back and rewatch the entire film to pick up the hints it's just it's a nice little way of of throwing you off guard long enough to make you pay more attention it's a strength of writing is what it is yeah. it's just it's yeah it's it's nothing like oh mind blown like even if you think you see it coming or you even if you do predict it right it's still fun to take the journey and like oh yeah. like that's fun like i was even if i was right like that was so fun to watch that twist you know uh yeah my my favorite part of this film i won't go too much because i talked about it in great lengths on the other one is the music and this is where i'm going to talk about edgar wright sound editing mm. not just music but in the world's end uh the sound of him, them filling pints mm. it's like you know like yeah, you it's used it. repeatedly and like the slamming of the shot glasses like on key there's a certain there's a, there's an actual montage scene where they go through like four bars in a row exactly <laughs> it's the musicality of not just the music but like the film, it's almost, and that's kind of where I realized, like, oh, these, he's a music video guy, and it shows even in uh, Hot Fuzz, I think it's Hot Fuzz, where there's that ding in the, uh, or Shaun of the Dead, where there's the doors that keep opening. Shaun of the Dead has a few parts, because at the beginning, there's the people who are walking. Yes. And it's in line with the music, and there's also, um, there's also the scene where they're beating the zombie with pool sticks to uh, <laughs> Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Don't stop me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's the jukebox that it, they always push play when they're fighting in the bars and World's End. I mean, the whole movie is a soundtrack in Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, where you've got camera cuts going right at the same beat. Like... Um, and that was the same in Baby Driver. And, like, that's what really stuck out about, like, if I had to pick a theme with this one director that fit through all the movies, it would be his use of music and cinematography together. Yeah. Not just a great score and great cinematography, but, like, great score cinematography. Like, I He's a really very loved rhythmic it. director. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Rhythmic. That's and a great way. there's tons. Even when there's not music, there's he has a lot of like those zoom-in scenes where stuff's being slammed down in, in all all five movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in Baby Driver, they're much more rhythmic and with the music. Yeah. But there's all those kinds of moments. Um, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I never thought about that before, but it's, yeah. it's true. Like... And I think that goes back to your love of his editing in Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. There's a certain way in which he pushes a film forward that has a, a musicality to it, which yeah. I think is his greatest strength. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but Baby Driver. But Baby Driver. 
yeah, if if I uh the the negative thing I picked, I don't remember what I picked. Oh, I picked the tone not matching at the end. Mm. Uh, I cut out my specific favorite part because it was a pretty big spoiler. But uh, but I would take that I would take that back. I would say with uh, in considering all of the movies we're talking about, I think it fits great. I think my least favorite part then uh, would probably be there's a heist in the middle with Jamie Fox and two relatively unknown characters. We only see them for the one heist. Right. Oh, you're talking about the, with the when they're in the truck instead of the yeah with yeah. the Mike Myers masks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> which is great. But. Yes, it's great. I guess I just either wanted more of that or less of that. Like mm. it, they could have cut that whole bit out, and I would have liked to seen more with maybe Jamie Fox and John Hamm together. But I get. I guess I get the point is that they don't work together in the same teams. You right, know, there's yeah. a little bit about that, which makes sense, and it makes it even more believable. I guess I, I guess I could have just dealt with maybe more Jamie Fox because he's a despicable character, and you get that from you. There's enough of him to get that point across, but yeah, yeah, and also know, yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of it had to be hinted at due to. It's hard because I feel like you'd almost, I agree with you, but when I think about it, I'm also thinking it would be, you would almost divert the focus of the film then. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't know if I want more or less of it. Like it's, it's an, I mean, so I guess maybe he just did it just fine. So, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, I guess Jamie Foxx's character in general was kind of lackluster for me. Yeah. I thought he did a good job performing, but I think I, I think I tend to agree with you in the sense that he seemed well. There was the one scene in the diner though where he talks to the married couple, and the way in which he interacts with them kind of gives him a hint at having more depth as a as a character, right? Uh, but that's all you get. But just a then hint. he goes back. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think I could have used a little bit more of that specifically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's the least developed character. Yeah, which, yeah, I feel I feel ambivalent about, but I I think you make a good point on that. Man, it's funny because we we just we don't talk about these things until we sit down and talk right. about them on the podcast. So it's my true. opinion is changing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so. Is there anything else you want to cover on Baby Driver before we rate it? No. Uh, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Yes. The. Oh, you know what I didn't like? And everyone's going to hate me for this. I didn't like the whole foster dad, deaf <laughs> foster dad that he had to take care of. I guess it gave him a little bit more like roots. I don't know though. I just I felt like it was it was almost gimmicky to me. Um, and I like to hear people's feedback on that. Actually, if you've seen Baby Driver, um, it just it, it seemed it seemed unnecessary or it seemed so far in the direction of like 
oh, he's so caring, and this is why he hasn't left, because he's got to take care of this guy. And it, it was just almost too much for me. And when I say my biggest complaint, sure, please consider that I'm speaking in terms of a film that I loved. Right, I, like, right. had a great time watching. I guess for me, the father is the perfect, or stepfather, is the perfect history that we get. Not too much. Not too little. But for me, why would Ansel Elgort be listening to this music? Like, there's... He's not going to hear any of this in his school. He's not going to know any of this music. Except for his foster dad, who is black and deaf. And so he loves feeling these kind of soulful, really beat-driven, humdrum. And so I don't know if that's right or not, but like... Well, at least it increases his love of that music. But I took took his love of music as something he got from his mother. I would agree to a point that that's where he got his love of music, but why does he love all that soul? Like, for me, that's where the old foster... Like, that's probably what the the foster father was listening to. Mm-hmm. Because because he was deaf, or or maybe just because that's the music he grew up listening to, or whatever. Yeah. Um. I guess like to me, I hadn't. When we talk about, I don't think I'd heard a single song on this soundtrack list until Baby Driver. Really. Um. You know, except for the Queen song and a couple of like the really, the more famous kind of bell bottoms one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that that song I recognize, but for the most part, most of this music, I had no idea what it was. So I guess maybe that's kind of where, and maybe that's where I put, that's where I projected why the foster character was important to the story. Yeah. Okay. That that makes more sense. But it could be just a projection. Yeah. I, either way, I, there was, there was a certain amount of me just being like, I guess it humanized him. Sure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm, we make these complaints right. about a movie that I, I think I literally stood up after it was done and was like, woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the whole idea of doing least favorite parts is that, like, even a perfect six-beer movie could have something that you might want to be different. But if it were different, maybe it would change the movie. Like, if they took out the character maybe it wouldn't be a six beer movie because you wouldn't have felt so grounded maybe, or that's I don't a, know. Yeah, like, that's true. so I don't know. It's, it's more of really just kind of an exercise of trying to think critically, I guess. What does it mean to be a film critic? <laughs> <laughs> a treatise by Kevin Zade and Jacob Davis. <laughs> it's time to rate it. All right. Rate baby driver. Oh man. I am still trying to figure out this whole rating system because <laughs> I feel like I'm giving all my movies like the same rating. Um, I feel like that too. Sometimes, <laughs> Baby Driver, I would, I would also put, I would rank it with Scott Pilgrim as a strong four. Um, yeah, I'd put it above. I definitely put it above World's End. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought it was enjoyable. 
Um, again, not a ton of substance. Right. Um, but still moving. Like, enough that, like... I, w- I, w- I might even add more than Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, there's a certain, like... You stand behind him just because he's Michael Sarah. Mm-hmm. You, you love him. Uh, and I don't think that's a weakness of Edgar Wright's. I think that's a weakness of the source material. Sure. Because I you don't like him in the comic book. Okay. Or at least I didn't. But in Baby Driver, I rooted for Baby because I knew he was a good guy. I knew he had a good heart. I knew he had a tragic background. I knew he loved the people that he loved. Right. Um to the point where I could ignore that that's probably impossible for a human being with that kind of background to right. do. <laughs> uh, uh, I also loved Deborah. I thought yeah. she was great. Whereas, com- you know, in the same way you're comparing it to Scott Pilgrim, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead or Ramona, she's beautiful and she is sweet. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Well, she's, you They're know, young. She's and, a disaffected twenty-something-year-old, right. right? And that's kind of the whole mood of the movie. Whereas, right. like, it's kind of hard to get behind either of the characters because, like, yeah, you, you have ex-boyfriends. Like, we get like, why are you so? Why do you have why to? Why are you so cha- upset yeah, about it? <laughs> Whereas, like, Deborah, like, we know that she, you know, I don't know. We don't. I don't know. We don't know much about her, really. But she's sweet, and we want them to work out. Yeah. Whereas in Scott Pilgrim, it's almost as if we're not really care. <laughs> kind of like them. <laughs> yeah. Do they really care if they make it? That's too much for me right now. I can't get into that. <laughs> and, Do they? And actually, oh, that being said, that was my least favorite part of Baby. The very end. Oh, yeah. Well, we yeah, we can't get into yeah. it too much. But the, very, the last 30 seconds. It made like, it better <laughs> for me by pretending that it was a dream. Yeah. So. Y- yeah, they, you did it enough there. But but for me, it's a five. Uh, it's just a solid five. Uh, it bumped up in ratings in this conversation and thinking about it as a whole Edgar Wright piece. Mm. Um, so that was fun. That was a fun conversation for me to have to really kind of like you said, as we talk, the the movies and opinions change. Like now, I'm thinking that maybe I should put Hot Fuzz above, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but uh, but and yeah. So for me, Baby Driver has moved up a little bit in my regard, and I think it's a a pretty solid five. Yeah. Good. I yeah. I I think it. I think it's good to discuss these things. Uh, I mean. It's important anyone who's listening as well, like, your tastes change. That's okay. You know? My favorite movie 20 years ago was Jurassic Park. Which and is it's, still good. It's a solid film. <laughs> Laura Dern is a fox, still. Always. Um, <laughs> and a great actress, uh, more importantly. Uh, of course. But. <laughs> and a full-fledged woman of her own. <laughs> Not to be objectified. <laughs> uh, but my my point being that, like, it's good to have these disagreements and to have these discussions. Um, not in order to, you know, toe the line with what's new and hip and cool. But right. in order to figure out where you really stand with something. Like, 
it's so easy for people who are the curators of taste mm. to just say whatever they think and to expect that to be how they'll feel for the rest of their lives. Right. Which is why so many review people have to eat crow 10 years later when they're <laughs> rewriting another piece on an album that they trashed 10 years ago. Right. Uh, so just please have mercy on us if you listen to us and uh, take our reviews with a grain of salt, even though we enjoy film more than you do, definitely. And and smarter. <laughs> Def- <laughs> and more attractive. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow, look at all my leather-bound books. <laughs> oh, you have so many. I don't think there's a single book in here. <laughs> I don't think there is either. Um, I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, well, there's, there's two there's, books on my nightstand. There's kinds of smarts. There's different kinds of smarts. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, and The Old Man in the Sea. I think those are on the same side of the line, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, not in a bad way. Right. But I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, if you have remembered our placements, you already know where we're going. But let's give a final list of Edgar Wright ranked one through five. Are you ready? Top to bottom? Bottom to top. So like least our favorite least to favorite, favorite to favorite. All right. I'll start. At world's end. Okay. A, a clear bottom for me. Yeah. Not, again, not that I di- didn't enjoy it, but just didn't hit me right. In ranking these films. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Okay. Uh, am I ranking my bottom now? Yeah. Okay. Go back and forth. Uh, my bottom is also The World's End. Which you... is funny because I thought you said that was going to be higher on your list. Yeah. It's <laughs> just not. The more we've talked about it, the more my mind has changed. Well, I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, number four for me, Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Mm. Uh, ditto. Same for me. Um, I think we're going to have... Well, we were close to having the same list, I think. Yeah, I think... That's no fun. I know. Uh, <laughs> Baby Driver for me, number three. He's number three. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Crap. Well, and to be, to be fair, this might point out clear... I don't know. Number four for me is going to be Hot Fuzz. Wait, no, you mean number three? No, number three was Baby Driver. I, I we meant going... number two. Okay, number two is Hot <laughs> Number Fuzz. two is Hot Fuzz. Okay, this is where we'll divert right. then. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Shaun of the Dead. And then vice versa. My number one is Shaun of the Dead. And my number one is Hot Fuzz. For and the reasons we've exactly. described over and the last I, hour. Man, I'm just, I'm really thinking that maybe I should switch. <laughs> but I can't, not yet, at least. Maybe I'll watch those two movies in the next in the near future, and uh, and maybe I'll I'll readjust this list. This list for me personally, I don't know if you have Letterboxed. I don't think you do. I don't. But you can find this list among other lists that I've made, including Paul Thomas Anderson, mm. on my Letterboxed profile, which is letterboxed.com/kzade. Uh, you can see, if you want to know 
if how I rated a movie, you can search for it in my 1,200 something movies that I have logged. <laughs> I don't know why I'm gasping at that. I probably have just as many films. Or more, actually. It's more weird likely. once you actually put them down. Uh, I'm very excited in an attempt to... In an attempt to... Boost my 2017 film ratings. I have signed up for the disc plan on Netflix. Because... Uh, a lot of the movies I won't be able to stream, but I would be able to rent via disc. Uh, uh, and Redbox doesn't work for me because I'm not a very good adult. How many Redbox <laughs> films do you own? Do I own? I think it's up to seven now. Kevin, that's so that's many movies. That's $175 I, you should on, edit on that seven out. DVDs. That, that makes you look so bad. I, I am bad. I'm a terrible adult. Uh, so this way, I'll only pay nine dollars a month, and if to I, watch as many movies as you possibly can in the time it takes to send and receive. My goal is to get six done a month, and Dude. that'll be cheaper than renting them from Redbox. Okay, uh, for me, right? Uh, they're Blu-ray, which means I would I'd only have to rent four from Redbox to make it worth it. So if I get six. If I get six movies in Blu-ray a month, it'll be worth it. Because on average, I rent one from Redbox a once month. A once a or yeah, once a week. Right. Usually Friday. But uh, again, just averages. So that's good. Um, this is Jacob. You and I recorded on a Monday. Yes. So we did not get to play this week's version of Screenshots. You can follow us on Instagram. Please do. You can follow us on Facebook or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You Please can do. email us. Leave a voicemail. Please do. <laughs> One of the greatest segments we used to do is what did Google think you said? But we need voicemails in order to play that segment. So uh, keep that up or, or start doing it again. Yeah. Please do. <laughs> uh, let's see. I know I keep uh, I keep talking about some big changes coming, and I'm excited to continue talking about them. They're just not quite nailed down yet, but uh, but they're coming soon. Our hundredth episode is on the way. This is episode eighty-seven. Um, and I think we have more than that. This is just the numbered episodes is 88. This is 88. So, yeah. Um, so, keep your eyes and calendars open for a big 100th episode event. I think I want to do something really fun for that. Uh, anything else you got, Jacob? Uh, no, I would just highly encourage you... Um... If you'd like, you can follow me on Instagram. There's not a ton of reason to. Um, I, no, you take great pictures. Thanks. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. But um, if you kind of just want to see where my head's at and why I am the way I am, <laughs> uh, feel free to follow at J 
dot c u b davis so i'll spell it out it's j dot c u b d a v i s um on instagram and uh yeah you take some of the most interesting pictures in where it's like <laughs> that one where it was a corner and you're like this is a corner on my street or something like that and then you took you take some really like candid photos that just turn out really beautiful mm. like some of your like reflection stuff or like uh I don't, some, a lot of them are of kelsey so maybe that says something about kelsey and less about you <laughs> I, I love my wife um but that one where she's doing the bubble the way you captured that bubble the bubble was oh, amazing yeah. oh, like yeah. it was just it's a beautiful photo thank you I uh, appreciate but that. yeah so i definitely would recommend you follow uh j.cub davis thanks man um cool well thanks for doing this we didn't quite get to two hours and six minutes which is what uh i thought what we did with uh paul thomas anderson but we talked about three less films we didn't get to the two hour mark so i'm probably gonna leave it as one episode because uh yeah you guys can enjoy it (laughs) goodbye for now not the Zade. It's not the story. It's It's the the Zade Zade story. story.